At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. In this episode, my guest is Erin O'Hearn. She's the producer for a film that we'll be talking about shortly. Erin has a passion for producing thought-provoking, compelling, and entertaining films with storytelling that delves into significant social issues. After graduating from Cornell University, she worked in the corporate communications department at HBO and went on to produce news specials and documentaries for MTV. Erin made a career transition into news reporting and worked for ABC in Philadelphia for more than 13 years. Her company, Oaks Media, Open Water Studios is a small production company, and they produced a movie that was significant on a variety of levels, socially, politically, and emotionally. It's a film about parents who are desperate to help their sick children, and because of antiquated laws, are left knowing there's a viable treatment, but they don't have access to it. So they're forced to choose between helping their child and breaking the law, and this is a medical crime. Thank you for joining us on the show today, Erin. Well, thanks so much for having me, Bethany. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So I I shared a bit about your background in the introduction. It's so exciting working for HBO and MTV. It sounds, (laughs) oh, I love it. So tell me a bit more about about your background and all the sorts of things that you've done before, before getting involved in this cannabis issue. Yeah, well, HBO, that was back when The Sopranos and Sex and the City were like the height of their their fame. So it was actually a very fun time to work there. Um, But after uh, I I worked there for a short time, I started working in documentaries, focusing on the True Life documentaries at MTV. And that's actually where I met Kimberly Earhart, who is the principal of Oaks Media. 
she and I just formed a friendship, um, a very close friendship and stayed in touch um, even through different career paths. And a few years ago, we reconnected about working together again, um, even though I had gone off into news and she had stuck with um, TV and documentaries. And we really stumbled upon this issue. And as parents, the two of us, um, I'm a parent of three children and she's a parent of four, um, we decided this was an, is an issue that needed to be addressed because we found out that there were thousands and thousands of families who were suffering, um, whether it was because their child had autism, seizures, uh, neurological disorders, unknown conditions, and there really wasn't any other option for them except medical cannabis. And you know, we said, there's a story here that needs to be told because no one's talking about it and it needs to be addressed and people need to know that this isn't right. And these families shouldn't be left to suffer when they've exhausted all other options. And even if it didn't work for them, at least give them the opportunity to try it um, because there's, there are so many benefits that we don't even know about. And I think it would, that's really where the genesis of the movie came from is we wanted to highlight these families. Absolutely. I think, you know, we talk about adults like uh, the elderly who are starting to use cannabis and, you know, they start, they start with the topicals and then they, and then they move into the gummies um, and, and for, and for veterans as well, um, who still, you know, are, are struggling and, and fighting to work with the VA on these issues as well. Right. Those are adults. These are, these are adults over 21. So that's a little bit of a different animal than talking about children, kids, babies. Right. Yeah. Minors. Yeah. Under it, it, 18. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and that's why, the, so we called it weediatrics because obviously the movie you can tell is a playoff words between weed and pediatrics. Yeah. And that's why this film it uh, has really pioneered the topic of mm -hmm. medical cannabis and children because it is different. I think that everyone can agree as an adult, you're willing to sort of take that risk using yourself as, you know, whether you want to call it a guinea pig or just, sure. just trying different things. But when it comes to a child, it's and it's your own child specifically, that's a game changer. And a lot of people were a little turned off by the fact that we were even diving into this issue. But the reality is, is we have no problems giving our kids a variety of um, pharmaceutical drugs that <laughs> we know don't have sure. very good side effects of um, long-term effects. So that's why we thought that we need to, to really cast off this stigma and, and focus on the positive and not the negative. Yeah, absolutely. I am curious, were you involved in cannabis activism or advocacy at all? before uh, coming to this, this story idea uh, with, with your film and documentary company, was there, did you have a relationship with the plant? Did you have opinions about the cannabis movement before, before diving into this topic? Yeah, that's a, actually, that's a great question. And I had no involvement with activism beforehand. I obviously had heard, I mean, obviously I knew what, what, marijuana was in cannabis and um, the, I had heard of it as an aid for helping cancer patients who were nauseous. Um, I had heard about it helping some chronic pain, but frankly, I just didn't, I, I was really um, naive about all the benefits it could have. 
And I actually was approaching it as a mom who was concerned that her children would one day have a choice, um, you know, whether between alcohol and cannabis or experimenting with it. And it concerned me because I was brought up in the era of, you know, the war on drugs and this is a gateway drug. So to me, this was something that was, if you looked at it, it was bad, right? You look at things like good or bad. So cannabis was bad. Um, and then I started talking to a mother who had used it for her son, who was on the very severe end of the spectrum. And she really opened my mind to the fact that we were programmed in the wrong way for the last 30 years, last 40 years, last 50 years. Um, so I, why, the reason why I started really becoming interested in this topic and becoming more open-minded was because I saw how much these families were suffering. And I think that that was the point of pediatrics is that, all right, let's forget everything that you think that you've been programmed to think about cannabis, regardless of whether it's a plant or it's a pill or it's a food or whatever it may be. If you look at these families and see what they're going through on a daily basis, as far as not only you know, their child is struggling, but the entire family unit is drowning because every minute of the day is consumed with the caretaking role in the most unexpected um, and, and, and really unjust way. So the, the reason that we really wanted to do this film was because we knew that if we showed, showcase these families and you walked in their shoes just for 90 minutes, that you would change your mind. You would probably be less judgmental about how they treated their children and probably more open to the fact that we need to reevaluate this because they don't have anything else. It's not like they're going to cannabis because they feel like it and there's another pharmaceutical drug that works. There's nothing out there um, except cannabis that works. So yeah, I, I guess I'm a convert back to your question. Um, my view on this has totally changed since we started this project. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great to hear. Thanks for, thanks for walking us through that as well. Um, so, so now, before we take our first commercial break, uh, can you talk about what your role uh, in this film, Mediatrics, was? Uh, the byline says producer for interview. Just talk a little bit more about what your role in this film was. Sure. So uh, Kimberly and John Earhart are the principals of Oaks Media and Open Water Studios. And when I, I was actually working in the development department at the time, and I presented them with the idea. So they were, if you think of the foundation, um, they were the foundation of the film. I really worked on gathering the information, the facts that so we could educate viewers as well as show them this you know, emotionally uh, powerful film. Um, so there's education in the film as well. I conducted the, a lot of the interviews, um, got to know the families, um, and I mean, it was, it was a learning process for me because I, I tried my best, um, and this comes from, you know, the news background in me to see both sides. So we worked a long time on making sure that we had our information correct and that we were being responsible, um, as far as the way we presented it. So that was my role. I, I shaped the story, um, did the interviews and, and found people who were willing to participate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of work. 
<laughs> I, I, I can attest to that. <laughs> um, all right, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll come right back and talk more about the film Weediatrics with Aaron O'Hearn. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm talking with Aaron O'Hearn, who was a producer on the film Weediatrics. So let's let's dive right into the film. I I watched the the longer length trailer of the film as well uh when we spoke a few weeks ago and wow um to to ask you what your inspiration for the documentary was is is kind of one of those questions that are obvious when you when you see the trailer uh and when you hear uh what your goal was um to to give this emotionally persuasive storytelling to the public but let's dive more into what your intentions behind this film were, your inspiration and all that. Yeah, so one of the mothers who's featured in the film, Erica Daniels, who you don't see a lot of um, because she's, I mean, she, she's become an advocate on so many different levels, um, but she was at the time when we were doing the film living in Pennsylvania, as she does now, which has a, is, has a pretty robust medical cannabis program. But when we had the idea for this film, she was really my go-to as far as knowledge and, and networking with these families, because it really is sort of like an underground network um, of mothers and fathers who are educating each other on how um, to administer this medicine to their children where they can get access to it. So the reason, she, I mean, she all the families inspired us to keep moving forward because it wasn't an easy film to produce. It certainly wasn't an easy film um, when you're in the moment of, of actually taping it and being with these families and you're embedded with them. It is extraordinarily difficult. And, and to be honest with you, Bethany, sometimes you want to turn away and go home and mm -hmm. you want to turn off listening to the interviews because it is so heartbreaking and it is, when you imagine being a parent, you know, when that, when you're young and you think, well, I'm going to have kids, if that's what you want to do, you just don't factor this into the equation, right? So in addition to struggling, these parents are sort of grieving over a promise of what life was going to be like. So the inspiration really was these families and exposing their heartache and making sure that we had something tangible out there to get to lawmakers. So they changed the laws. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, many states are legalizing, at least mm-hmm. for medical, because right. of because of the very impactful stories uh, that parents are bringing to lawmakers about their children. There's a lot of bravery for these families to do that. And how did you find these families that are featured in the documentary? And was it difficult to convince them to be on camera, considering the potential legal consequences of exposing publicly that they're giving their children medical cannabis. Right. And I think that, and and that's another great question. I think that that's the, you know, what people first think about when they watch the film is if, you know, they're doing this, aren't they afraid of getting caught? Because it it is a decision that they make, right? Like they have to decide, am I going to take this risk and, you know, perhaps get the knock on the door from CPS to the police or, or am I going to, you know, just really focus on helping my kid and live with the consequences. So mm-hmm. we interviewed, we pre-interviewed, I should say, a lot of different families and, and not all of them were on board. A lot of them, because we went over what the potential consequences would be and that there was an inherent risk in participating in the documentary. So we had some families who said, the risk isn't worth it. I need to take care of my kids. And, you know, I love your cause and, and I hope the movie does does well and a lot of people watch it and a lot of people change their mind about cannabis, but we just can't be a part of it. And that was okay. I mean, and but the families that did participate, we spent a lot of time, again, just talking them through different kinds of scenarios. And, you know, they had plans, they had backup plans, but some of it, to be honest with you, was I think a little bit of reverse psychology. There was one, there was one family in Texas, and as you know, Texas still has really virtually no medical cannabis law. So they have been treating their daughter, um, the Zartlers, for probably five to seven years um, illegally. And what they thought was, we're just we're going to go public with this because what judge, what lawmaker, what politician is going to look at Kara? who is self-injurious um, and was really at a risk of, of causing herself so much brain damage by hitting herself for hours and hours. Yikes. What, who is going to say, no, you can't do that. And, and that did mm. happen. They, they were, CPS came, the police got involved. They had to go in front of a judge and defend um, why they should be considered when Kara turned 18, why they should still be considered her guardian. Why should they still have custody of their own daughter? And, you know, thank goodness a judge ruled in their favor. Um, But I think the fact that they were public with what they were going through helped their argument, if that makes sense. Because hiding and then then people not knowing what what you go through on a daily basis, well, then, yeah, they they can judge any way they want. But seeing what kind of pain she was in and what kind of pain the family was in, if the government had any... And the other options, you know, I would challenge them to offer it to them. The fact is they don't. <laughs> right. They don't have any other options for them. Absolutely. Wow. It's great to hear about those, those families who uh, brought that bravery to, to a judge and got what they got, what got would, what was best for, mm-hmm. for their child. Absolutely. So Producing a a film like this has a lot of moving parts, especially in a documentary setting with lots of coordination of interviews. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What were (laughs) some of those obstacles you faced uh, when you were producing this documentary? Well, I mean, 
I guess the obstacles can be thought of in a few different ways. I think as far as the interviews go, you know, some families, it was just a matter of how much do I want to offer? How much information? Um, when you spend a week or two with someone at a time and you're living, basically living in their house, it becomes, it becomes harder and harder to sort of filter things, which is, I think, what was so great about pediatrics is that it was so raw. Um, but, you know, we had obstacles for just the logistics of filming, because if you think about it, if we wanted to um, shoot in a grocery store or shoot at a park, you have to get permissions. You have to get permits, right, to, to be on that property and to be able to um, film with these families. And in order to get permission, you have to be honest about what you're filming. And the second that medical cannabis comes in to the title or is described in the release form, then all of a sudden people get scared. Mm -hmm. So just the logistics of getting people on board, because if, if we were doing a documentary about, you know, goldfish <laughs> or, you know, like the, the benefits of, of mangoes or something like that, right? Easy. The grocery store would be like, okay, come on in and film. This would be great. Yeah. Free publicity <laughs> for the store. And, you know, we'll put our best mangoes on display. But this is, I mean, this is something completely different. And they didn't, people didn't want to be associated with it. Right. Doctors didn't want to be associated with it. Even doctors who were on board, we wanted to interview them to say, like, tell us about it. Tell us about your patients who are benefiting from this. No way. I could lose my license. Uh-uh. Not still, still operating still. under the radar, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think our big, biggest obstacle is you know, not even really having the families is just getting that support underneath, like telling, like showing the entire picture. Right. Right. Well, the state of California, for example, has some of the most progressive cannabis laws in the country. And, and mm -hmm. that goes back decades even, um, but something pretty unbelievable happened to a family there just a few years ago. Uh, and the entire incident is featured in the film. So without giving too much away, can you kind of give us some hints about what that's about? Yeah. So I don't want to give too much because it, it, um, it is probably one of the most compelling parts of the film. This is a young family, one of the most lovely families, frankly, I've ever met. Um, and they had young children and their daughter was from the time she was a toddler, started having issues with seizures. And they really wouldn't diagnose her um, with epilepsy they or any other condition that they wanted to label. They just said that she was too young. They had to see how it progressed. They didn't know if it was you know, caused by a fever. Um, so again, without giving too much away, they had tried different pharmaceutical drugs that really had horrid side effects on the seven-year-old. And um, they were told about how CBD was really effective in treating intractable seizures. So they gave it a try. And we don't know who, they still don't know to this day, um, but they live in California and someone, whether it was a doctor or an, a school nurse or a principal or a neighbor, called CPS and said this family should be charged with medical neglect. Not, mm. now, now if you, so let me go back to that. If you think about it, it's legal in California, right? But just the fact that you chose that as opposed to a pharmaceutical drug 
that can get you in trouble. Wow. So that they went through a really, the little girl went through a traumatic experience because of this. And all I can say is the entire incident is captured on film and you have to be ready to be appalled at how this system is working right now. Wow. Yes, much. (laughs) We'll definitely have to dive into the full length version of that film soon. All right, let's uh, take our last commercial break and then come back and wrap up our chat with Aaron about the documentary, Weediatrics. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and I've been chatting with Aaron, a producer on the film Weediatrics, about parents and children who are navigating really harmful, harmful laws across the country um, on the war on drugs, on cannabis, that honestly is a medicine for their children to improve their quality of life. And this film dives into those stories. So thankfully, every year, more and more states are legalizing for medical or even full-on adult use, which is helping give these families the access to the medicine their children need to live that better quality of life without the fear of legal backlash which is great quality of life for everyone to not be worried about going to jail for a plant. So I'd really like to know at this stage, it's, it's 2021 and, and I'm sure all the work on the film happened over, over you know, many, many, many months. Mm-hmm. Do you have an update on some of these families and how they're doing? Yeah, um, so it actually happened the, the, from start to finish. It was really years. It was probably about three years. Um, so this was truly a labor of love. We keep in contact with all of the families. The, um, the Blakenships, who are, were a family out of Oklahoma, their son is, is autistic, and they actually tried to, I use the word smuggle, and that's truly what it was, um, medical cannabis back because at the time Oklahoma didn't have a medical cannabis program and they were again at a loss as to how to help their son. Well, since the film, Oklahoma has legalized the medical cannabis industry. And what's interesting, Bethany, is that as you know, Oklahoma is right near Texas and Oklahoma is a fairly conservative state, but um, they really used the medical cannabis uh, vote a few years ago as a way to. to um, 
I don't want to say convince people that it should be medicinally legal, but they were having trouble with their school systems. And they said that the profits, some of the profits would go to helping the schools. And so everyone was on board and it became legal. So now they're treat, their, their son is doing well. He's more verbal. Um, he doesn't have these meltdowns that he did. He, um, there is a sense of normalcy and a sense of calm in their home that they didn't have before. I mean, he's not going to be like their daughter who does not have um, you know, any challenges, but he is doing so well. And as a result, they have all gotten involved in the cannabis industry. So they actually have a dispensary now in Oklahoma. Fantastic. Um, so I think what's so great about that is that, you know, now this is, they've not only had success in treating their son, but they're advocates and they're helping other people. And they're helping people who come into that dispensary and say, I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. And Melanie can say, here's what you do. First-hand experience. Yeah, first-hand yeah. experience. Wow. And the rest of the really families powerful. are doing great too. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's really powerful. Appreciate that. Um, Well, we hope to keep in touch with you and hear more about this film. And uh, I think there's some conversations behind the scenes going on about perhaps more in the future, but I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll hold on to that for the moment, but, but I will say that NCIA's trade shows are returning this fall after a very long pandemic, a very long time of social distancing. We're we're all vaccinated at NCIA and we hope most of you are as well. And we're getting back to the trade show floor, including our educational panel sessions, everything. So we'll see you in, oh gosh, where are we going? Detroit, the Midwest (laughs) Cannabis Business Conference in September. And then in December, we have two shows. We'll be in Baltimore, December 7th and 8th. And then we will be in San Francisco for our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, uh, December 15th, 16th, and 17th. I can't wait to see everyone in person. And there's so much that we're working on behind the scenes to make our award-winning trade shows as great as they've always been, but just a little extra excitement after everyone being at home for a year and a half. So um, mark your calendars for those trade shows. If you're an NCIA member interested in Expo Floor booth space, now's the time to reach out and secure your spot. Tickets will be on sale pretty soon here in a few weeks, so just stay tuned. Uh, Aaron, thanks again for spending time with me today talking about the film Weediatrics. Where can Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, where can folks find out more about this in the meantime? So you can actually, once you stop listening to this, you can download it on Google Play, Amazon, or Apple TV. So it's really easy to access and it's only 90 minutes and it will be worth every minute of your time. Perfect. Thanks again, Erin. And thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.